hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. You're listening to the Queer Money Podcast, episode number 172. Today, you're going to discover how one bank is ditching the old stuffy suit and tie image of banking and reimagining something that fits our 21st century lifestyles with a splash of fun. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. Welcome back to another Queer Money. John and I are here at FinCon 2019 with Managing Vice President of Capital One Cafes and Branches, Jennifer Winbeck. As many of you know, Capital One supported the Queer Money Live Tour this past spring and summer, and they are committed to making lasting change and supporting the LGBT community in their efforts. Capital One recently earned a perfect score on the Human Rights Campaign's Foundation's Corporate Equality Index, designating them as one of the best places to work for LGBTQ plus equality for the 16th consecutive year. Jennifer directly leads a growing network of Capital One cafes across the U.S., Capital One branches in Texas and Louisiana, National Cafe and Branch Operations, Associate and Customer Experience, (laughs) Localized Brand Building Activities, Food and Beverage Partnerships, and Network Management and Planning. As you can tell, Jennifer is a busy person. Jennifer joined us on a panel at FinCon 2019 centered around building reimagined financial experiences. Our discussion highlighted how Capital One is reimagining the banking experience and how they are helping people to feel confident in their relationships with money. We sat down with Jennifer to dig a little deeper on this queer money. Okay, Jennifer, can you tell us what does banking reimagined mean exactly? Banking reimagined is Capital One's approach to rethinking customers and how they interact with money and thinking how they interact with banking. We set out and talked to Americans a few years ago and found out that banking is right up there with going to the dentist or to an accountant. It's kind of an old, staid, boring, 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 (laughs) yes, boring kind of interaction and at times intimidating to people. And so we set out with banking reimagined to provide experiences both with our products, with our digital experiences and our in-person experiences that are actually a way people would enjoy doing and would be helpful to them in their lives. What kind of response are you getting from the community? Really great. So, um, of course, you know, as I talk to customers in cafes and, and hear from them on it, there's just a lot of relief more than anything when I when I talk to our cafe customers that people feel like I can come in and not feel like I'm intimidated by someone in a suit. Or I need to already know what I'm doing when I come in here, feeling like they're more on path with their financial goals and with money. And then and then from our other customers, we certainly hear a lot about the delight of our mobile products and our all of our experiences that we have online. That's wonderful. Yeah. You know, I think John and I have been in the cafes on a number of occasions. And typically when you think of banking, at least old school banking, you think of the institution, right? And then you think about with the cafes, it's an experience. And it's not the experience when you think of institutionalized experiences, right? It's a completely different experience now. And that that is incredibly intentional, that we want to meet people where they are, and we want people to enjoy the experience of coming into a cafe. That starts with the kind of people we hire, even, that 
we occasionally get comments that people don't like it that we have associates with blue hair or nose rings and and I kind of like those comments and I just dismiss them because that's not exactly who we're solving for. We want people to we want our associates to be themselves um, and we want more importantly all the visitors to feel really comfortable in the space and then to enjoy interactions about money and really get the help that they need. Absolutely. So I think that's a great segue to the next question. How exactly are you tapping into the emerging trends of the customer experience and the future of retail? A couple of ways that we do that. One is we're constantly talking to our customers, our visitors, and doing focus groups and, and conversations with people who aren't necessarily just in the cafes and asking what they want. So that's a big thing. We do stay in touch with retail trends in general. So we look at, for example, um, from a design perspective for the cafes, we uh, worked with Rockwell, who does design for the Andaz Hotel in Maui, who did design for the Emmy sets and really kind of unique experiences. And so we incorporate you know, from a design perspective, from an experiential perspective, you know, the things our customers are asking for, and then also what we see in the world around us, not necessarily the financial world, but what we see in retailing. Absolutely. That's wonderful. So I think oftentimes people need sort of just-in-time money coaching. And you do money coaching in the cafes. So people are wondering, can I afford X purchase? Or am I on track for my retirement? Or does this fit into my financial goals? How exactly are you tackling that? Money coaching is something that can be done over a period of time, or it can be done in the moment as people really have an urgent need. It starts with identifying what are my values and how does that tie to how I spend money? And I think about the two of you and you've talked a lot in your podcasts and on your tours about how one of the keys to becoming debt free for you was spending money on things that find you joy. Money coaching is a way to get to that. So it helps people tie what's important to me in the world in life and how am I spending money on that? So our money coaches can spend time with customers who are interested or visitors who are interested Going through that over a series of three sessions, going through that through a series of months, helping them to have behavioral changes. But we also have in the moment changes. So we have help with things like budgeting if someone were to lose their job. We have different, uh, different modules and different approaches that can really meet people where they are. Wonderful. So this is a hot topic question for David and me. There are about 1,500 to 2,000 influencers or educators here in the personal finance space. From our perspective, there's a wealth of personal finance information out there, let alone books that you can get at the library for free, everything on the internet, amazing podcasts like Queer Money. Why do you think, at least the news reports, that the, the financial security of Americans continues to deteriorate? And what can we do to change that? People are overwhelmed, I think. So there are so many sources and they're great. Most of them are great. But then there are some that are contradictory or confusing to people. And I think that people are overwhelmed by all those choices. I also think that there is a taboo at times to talking about money. So an individual may spend time researching and learning about things, but they feel uncomfortable talking to friends or family as they're trying to synthesize that. And that's what we're trying to solve in the cafes a bit with things like money coaching and, and with ambassadors. So I think for you, what you're doing already with uh, building followership and what other influencers are, are doing makes a huge difference because it's that consistent overtime message, I think, from a few trusted sources rather than consumers feeling overwhelmed by all of the different information they're getting. I would agree that I think that it's so often that our financial advice seems to be anecdotal from what our friends and family have experienced. Yes. And so we are doing something based on someone else's experiences and not our own, right? And so you have to immerse yourself in 
the experience of what it's going to be like for you financially. What worked for your mom and dad or wor- works for your brother and sister or the guy next to you in, in cube land is not necessarily going to work for you. And that's why I think that the money coaching or listening to podcasts, reading the material on your own, then you can find those experiences that other people have had that look more like yours rather than just someone who you know. Absolutely. I, I love that. And there's there's not a one size fit all answer. It would be so much easier if if there were. But I think it is each person has to find their own path and their own tools and their way to get there. And, you know, today's generation, they, they expect to do business or to work for businesses that connect and resonate with them and their community. How exactly is Capital One doing that and meeting social expectations? We start in our in-person experiences in, in the cafes. We start by who we hire and we uh, begin by hiring just a real diversity of ambassadors for each of the cafes that we have that reflect the community around us. Um, we don't hire primarily bankers or people who come from financial industries. We hire people from all walks of lives and who are beautifully diverse in all kinds of ways. And that's an important start that we are connecting with people again, who have different paths so that we have someone in the cafe who can connect to someone as customers come in, someone who feels like me and who seems like me. So I think that's a big piece. The other is we do a lot of outreach in the community. So we um, spend a lot of time with nonprofits, with great organizations um, like Dress for Success and other organizations that are helping people. And that helps us to get the feel of the community and to and to be present within the communities that we serve. Exactly. And that's why we continue to partner with Capital One, because you do support the LGBTQ community outside of the month of Pride. It's, it's a 365-day project for you. Um, and that means a lot to us because it's not just about capitalism. It's, it's about connecting with the community and actually serving a diverse population. That's so great to hear. You really get us. That's what, that's what we are trying to do and to help help people who are diverse in any way. So what can we expect from Capital One in 2020? Anything exciting? We we have a lot of good things going on. So we, in the cafe space, we are continuing to grow our presence. So you will see us enter some new cities, including Atlanta, which will be our first cafe in Atlanta. So we're excited to get to that market. And then um, many more across the country that will begin entering. We're always working on product and digital experience innovation. And you'll see from our product sets that we'll continue to have great new benefits to customers in from our credit cards to our checking and savings accounts and the ways people interact with them. Wonderful. And AutoNav? <laughs> Dave is really excited about that. You got to see AutoNav. It's so cool, isn't it? Yes. I think what's cool about it is it's not just the signing up for a loan process, right? You get to actually have fun searching for a car, taking pictures of cars that you may want to have, but then you get some realization as to how much it's going to cost you and you get it so quickly. We'll have more about this later. <laughs> That's great. But it, it's a good example of something where we're trying to make it make it fun and not intimidating because a car purchase can be so intimidating and in, in the process of getting a loan. I feel like I want to get a new car now and I really don't need one, but I just I just love using Auto Navigator. <laughs> I don't either, but I love taking pictures of cars and then finding how much somebody paid for it. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little bit concerned about this tool. <laughs> All of a sudden, we're going to have a new car. <laughs> so what do you hope the Capital One cafes bring to the new communities that you're entering? We are entering, you know, many new cities and new types of communities. And so we're excited over the course of the next year that we will we will have a few cafes in lower income areas, for example. And there's so much that we can do to really help people there. We we're excited with what we do in all of the cafes to help 
to help people, but particularly in low-income communities where you may have people who haven't had as much access to financial information or personal financial information who may need even just a community place to hang out and come and meet other people like them. It might, might not always be about money, but then also to open up the cafe space and go outside of the cafes to be able to help the community groups, to help nonprofits, to help um, influencers in the community really, really connect across the neighborhood. I, I love this idea of going into the community and being there for the community. So often gentrification in communities comes from the outside. And then those individuals who are a part of that community feel like they're being basically exited out of the community for capitalism, for, for other individuals to make some money. And they don't actually get to participate in it, at least at the level in which that they should, because they were a part of that community for such a long time. And so that I think this is great that you have intentionally said you're going to go in and support some of these communities because to be honest, they're the ones who need it the most, right? These disadvantaged communities or areas where there's an economic need, those individuals, like you said, they may not have the education, they might not have the financial knowledge, and having an, a place to go to to learn something that they can then turn around and put to work in their own lives and do that gentrification themselves is awesome. Love that. Well, thank you. Thank you. And we really do find a need to to reach out to customers, especially in gentrifying areas, that I think there can be an intimidation factor, even with the cafes of, do I have to come in and buy a cup of coffee? Or is someone going to try to sell me something? And so it's even more important that we are engaged with trusted organizations in the community so that everyone knows that they're welcome to come in and that there's so much we can do to help them. Yeah, I, I think I'll just add one thing here for so many of those communities, because there are so many nonprofit organizations in support, it's great that you the cafes offer that space that's available for those organizations, because more often than not, their community doesn't necessarily have a meeting place, at, or they're trying to find a meeting place and they have to pay for it. And you guys offer this free space for them to use, which is awesome. I love that. Well, thank you. We're, we're really proud of that. And we do have all of the cafes have, you know, at least a, a single community room for nonprofits to use. In the uh, lower income areas that we're about to enter, we have even more space. And so we're doing um, a lot of things to have community space and spaces for nonprofits. That's great. So can you tell us a little bit about the Georgetown Cafe that you're opening up? In a word, it's fabulous. You have got to go see it. It Let's, is that word uh, is in our tagline, so that's yes, wonderful. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, I was there last week. We opened last week, and it is just stunning. Our design and construction teams did a great job. Um, we've got a lot of comments from visitors that we did a nice job of preserving the the feel of the building. So it is a historic building. We kept oh, the nice. flooring the same, the bricks. One of my favorite things, we have um, local artists who, who provided art for the space. One artist has this view of roller coasters and all kinds of pictures of roller coasters, which describe her journey with, uh, with finances and kind oh, wow. of the ups and downs of dealing with money. Um, but gorgeous space. Encourage you to go visit it. And we're excited to get to serve another community in D.C. Wonderful. Yeah, it, it sounds like it's fabulous. And David and I will be stopping by there, I think. Friday or Saturday of this week. So we'll check it out and have pictures online, which will be before this podcast. But so you're speaking to a room of influencers and educators at FinCon here. What story would you like us to share with our audiences about Capital One and Capital One Cafes? I think, again, that we are trying to do things in a different way. And we we begin with humanity. We begin with personal connection and, and trying to connect to people. 
that we are focused on listening and and adapting and changing and providing what people need um, and to come visit us in our cafes. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate uh, meeting you again and having you on the podcast. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you, Jennifer, for joining us on Queer Money to share what Capital One is doing now, how they are connecting with communities, and going above and beyond what many other corporations are doing to serve and educate. We're proud to have worked with Capital One over the past three years to help educate the LGBTQ community. We look forward to doing even more in 2020, so stay tuned for more. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.